Welcome to the Voice of Retail podcast. My name is Michael LeBlanc, and I am your host. This podcast is produced in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada. Welcome to a new year and maybe a new you regarding your perspectives around leadership. My special guest is Steve Worthy, who with over 27 years of North American experience on the front lines as a senior retail store leader, brings a unique mix of executive coaching training and real world experience to senior retail leaders and corporate teams. Let's listen in now. Steve, welcome to the first episode of 2024, The Voice of Retail. Thanks so much for being my guest. How are you? I am doing well, and I'm super, super stoked to be here. And thank you so much for allowing me to be the first guest. Thank you so much. Well, you and I had the uh, chance to meet, privilege to meet in, uh, where was it, New York at the lead in the summer. We'd we'd crossed paths but never met in person. So uh, it's it's great to have you on the mic. Where am I finding you today? Yeah, I am... uh, Coming from the rainy um, but nice sort of temperature down here in uh, in uh, Alpharetta, Georgia, outside of Atlanta. Saying that, uh, you happen to be traveling up and down a few times to Canada. What brings you to Canada so often? <laughs> uh, the love of my life, actually. Um, you know, okay. uh, yeah. Uh, thank you, thank you so much for that. And um, you and I have been privy to some conversations back and forth, and. Had a great opportunity um, over the last couple of, uh, you know, this last year to travel back and forth to Canada. Um, and yeah. and now uh, over Boxing Day, I actually proposed to Cher uh, Jones, who is actually my yeah. fiance now. And so um, super privileged. And I think they're trying to make me a, um, a, a Canadian citizen because I'm, I'm constantly up there. So I don't know. <laughs> well, what's we'll do everything we can. <laughs> well, well, big congratulations. That's uh, that's huge, and it's not your first time in Canada. We'll get to that True. a little bit later. But uh, we've jumped in. Tell us, uh, tell the listeners. I know a little bit about you. I'd like to. Lo- I like to know more. And tell the listeners a little bit about your origin story, your path, and what yeah. you do for a living today. Absolutely, absolutely. So, just uh, like a lot of us, um, you know, my my retail journey started out with um, with not being in retail. Um, after my service uh, in the Air Force, I finished up my, my undergrad in accounting and couldn't stand it, mm-hmm. um, hated it. Um, but it was that time of it was that time, mm-hmm. um, Michael, when, you know, the big six was, was around. And so you could get your accounting degree and you mm-hmm. can go back to mm-hmm. New York City and you were making 60, 70 K, which was really good money in the mid, in, in the mid 90s. However, yeah. I found myself in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, you know, looking for myself, trying to figure out my next move. And stumbled upon uh, a caribou coffee, and inside this caribou coffee, I ended up meeting the manager. Um, she introduced me to her manager. He introduced me to the regional, and within about two weeks, I was offered a job as a district manager in training. And that's that okay. that started my my journey into mm-hmm. um, into uh, retail. And so, and I, I'm and that, that is you know, in my experience, any for folks who've been in the service, they, they you arrive to that with a lot of skills around yes. people and and focus and and discipline and a whole bunch of other things. So I guess they they would recognize that in you right away, right? That's a, that's a great point because because my first response to him was that I have no I have I have no understanding about right. coffee. Like even in the coffee. service yeah. and in college, I was a Mountain Dew guy. I I, I was never a <laughs> coffee guy, and so. But that's exactly what he said, um, because I was mm-hmm. a crew chief in the Air mm-hmm. Force, so I had oversight for uh, for these, you know, hundreds of million dollars of planes. Right. And so that idea of trans, uh, that um, perspective of, 
you know, uh, monitoring and leading teams translated extremely well over into the, the private sector, if you will. All right. So from Caribou Coffee, you now you're a district manager. Tell me, tell me more. Yeah. From, from there, just different, different roles with different companies. I worked for some of the largest brands from store managers. I went back to store manager with Target and then moved back through uh, with other companies to director stores. And so from there, it, it, it became a matter of, um, understanding more about leadership. Um, what I realized kind of throughout my, um, my retail journey was that there was this gap that I had in my leadership, um, that I wasn't receiving from my, my companies. I, Mm -hmm. I would, I would tend to go outside and read a lot of books, um, attend a lot of leadership conferences, have mentors, and these were all outside of my company. And what I realized was that I was doing was I was bringing a lot of that knowledge back into my retail experience. And, and interestingly enough, it, it almost seemed like I was sort of this, this, this kind of rock star because I was bringing all this information back. And I was like, hold on for a second. This is, information is readily reva- available to all of us, to all of you here in the, in the retail industry. However, the, what we notice is that there are just a lot of organizations who are, um, are, are very, um, uh, from, a, from a training standpoint, they're very guarded. Um, and they don't provide um, a lot of uh, information and training that I see that a lot of leaders need. And so right now, as I started Worthy uh, Retail, you know, our, our job, our focus is to kind of close that gap. Our job is to close that gap okay. with leadership from where they are to where it is that they want to be with, their, with our coaching and our training and our mentorship and also our, our new learning uh, community called the campus. And hmm. the idea is to make them more profitable from a personal and also a professional standpoint. So that's where I'm at right now um, as founder and CEO of Worthy Retail. Well, fantastic. Now, you mentioned two things. Uh, one, earlier on, we talked about Canada. Two, you mentioned Target. I think you were up here during Target's yes. uh, adventures here. What, did, what were you doing up in Toronto with Target? The great expansion and, and, and then, mm. um, and then, retra- and then ret- the great retraction, if you yes. will. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had oversight for a market um, in central New York. And part, part of that process was to uh, get, get with a team and connect with a team and bring a team over to Toronto uh, to mm-hmm. help with the overall expansion of Target at that time. Yeah. And, you know, immediately, one of the things, of course, as we've, we, we, we noticed there was just a gap in training and knowledge. And I think, I think you and I may have had this conversation before. If not, here, here it is. One of the areas that I quickly discovered was Relative to to Canada and that process of us moving over there was that um, I think the biggest thing was that can, Canada Canadians wanted more of a an American perspective of Target, and I think we tried to give them a Canadian Target, and yeah. I, and I think that's that's where the, the the kind of gap happened. And so my job was was to try to help transform some of that um, mindset and perspective, you know, with my team and also with the also with the offerings and supply chain, all those aspects, and until we realized that it was just an untenable situation and we actually had to retract. You know, we could spend a whole podcast talking about that Target 100%. episode. It's a big, it, it was a big deal in Canada, and, and um, of course, you're not the only big uh, international brand that's, that's retreated. Uh, Lowe's just left, um, for example. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned that's interesting, let's talk about it for, for just a bit, is Canadians were so... It's funny, right, because... The folks at Target and even us analysts, we would say, you know, so many Canadians shop at Target. I think the number was like 30,000 mm-hmm. Canadians had a Target credit card even before you got here. So, you know, we're like, this is going to be 
easy. And it turned out as exactly as you said is that, um, and it wasn't all your fault because there's just some weird rules and regs. You couldn't have the same product, for example, um, not even withstanding the language, but uh, that the Canadians, well, they were so used to the uh, target experience in the U S that when it came here and it wasn't the same, it, it kind of felt like a, like they were let down. And some of that was, you know, some of that you guys would take ownership and some of it was just, you know, thrust upon you. So I, that, that was one of the symptoms or one of the causes. Would you, would you agree? I mean, it sounds like um, that was your experience as well. No, I, I would agree. I, I think initially, you know, we did a great job of, of connecting with the community. Daryl Jenkins, actually, um, at, at the time, he was sort of the liaison, if you will, from uh, Target. And um, he was a senior vice president and he moved over to um, Mississauga and, um, yeah. and actually helped with the transition. And making the, the landing sort of softer for us from a community standpoint did a great job of that. But I think part of the, the, the loss in translation was, was simply around, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> was simply around us, um, you know, and not maybe having our ear to the ground. Of course, the mm-hmm. product assortment and things along that line, we're going to be, we're going to be different, but I think we did do a good enough job of pivoting uh, quick, quick enough. Also supply chain issues, right? I think we, we, we had a, we had a misstep there. So you know how that goes. Once you once you yeah. have backup in the supply chain, it just everything else well, just goes to pot. The plan well, of you know, can't and, get set and, and everything. Yeah, it's very, very tough. Um, I mean, you know. Anyway, my my conclusion to that, I remember I've, I've been asked a hundred times, and we talk about it a little bit. Is too much, too soon, too fast? I mean, you yeah. could have, oh, you know, if with ten stores, you could overcome any supply chain issue. You just muscle your way through it, but it's hard with you know, 130 anyway. Anyway, let's, let's leave that one aside. Let's focus on, <laughs> let's focus on something else. Let's, let's, you've been, you've been in this retail game for, for quite a while. I'm going to reflect, yeah. uh, I want you to reflect on your experience about, you know, the, the training and the front lines. You've said you found some gaps and some opportunities that you're feeling. What is, what's changed over the course of, of your career that, you know, you hear that a lot. Everything's a little different now than it was before, but, and, you know, in the context of your practice, you know, what's the same Mm-hmm. And then what you, what do you think has changed that, that we need to and you help us adapt to as an industry? Yeah, I, I think the fundamentals, of course, of business are always going to be the same, right? It is, it's always about sales, less, less, less expensive than that you have profited. But I think the velocity of, the, of, that, of that sales cycle and also the connection um, that we make with customers um, has changed, of course. Um, you know, gosh, I remember... If we can just go back with from a target standpoint real quick, I remember the the great credit card breach um in two thousand and thirteen I think it was two thousand no, yeah. two thousand and maybe eleven I want to say, and that whole situation changed um dramatically I think transparency as it relates to leadership as it relates to what we're doing um as as a company, and we're seeing that kind of still still take place now where there are a lot of leaders now where the idea around transparency and who they are, what they stand for, um, what are you going to get from me as a leader? Those things are still in place. But right now, with the advent of AI, with the advent of uh, you know data analytics and the decision-making processes that need to take place so much faster um, than what we have seen previously before, I believe that leadership intuition is is something that is is something that is is almost lost, but it still needs to be part of the overall decision making equation. Where we get we get so focused in on the data and we forget about the human element 
um, that's associated with retail, with leadership. And so making sure that we don't lose sight of that human connection, it was one of my um, predictions, um, you know, for, for, for this year was just around AI powered leadership. I just just, mm. did, just did this the other week, yesterday, actually yesterday on my win your week, on um, my weekly um, live stream. The first prediction was around AI powered leadership, how, um, you know, leaders need to embrace generative AI, um, machine learning, um, you know, data uh, analytics, and then how do you actually take all of that and make an informed opinion and perspective on that? So nowadays, that's where we that's where we're actually going to see more leaders kind of take and um, and embrace as they move forward. Say say a bit more about that. Like um, lots of folks throw around AI, oh, uh, and you've you've injected, of course, you've injected it there into leadership. T- talk a bit more about uh, your perspectives around AI leadership. Define uh, chalk that field for us. A little yeah, hundred percent. And you know, I, and I'm glad you, I'm glad you you know you went a little deeper on this because you can go to any conference, um, you can look at any you know paper that's out there, research paper, and it's you know AI, 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 and but what does that mean mm-hmm. for for the leader? Right? What does that truly mean? And I think that's part of our um, the genesis of, of worthy retail is that what do all these things, all these initiatives from a forty thousand foot view, mean for the leader? Like the person, the individual, senior vice presidents on down to district managers actually have to implement these things. From an AI standpoint, it is getting familiar with it. I remember when we first got Zebra. Uh, scanners into into stores mm, mm, that 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 was that process the adoption process took years i mean yeah. years and now when we start to think about ai the idea around adoption and understanding its impact on who you are and what you do um your not just your supply chain not just your customer data but also your ability to make decisions and so so ai power leader has to have the ability to understand what AI truly is and its impact. We just um, we just created a learning lab um, on our campus, and it's called Generative AI for, for Retail Leaders. And it's just a one-hour one um, intense um, perspective around generative AI and what do you need mm-hmm. to know, definitions, perspective, mm-hmm. how, what are you currently using um, from an AI standpoint in your personal life? Because I think that's the other part of it is that a lot of people think about AI, but we're currently using it in our everyday life. So why not think about it from a professional standpoint and what, what does that mean as well? So mm-hmm. when I think about it, you know, to, uh, when I think about AI power, it's really building up your, your perspective and your thought process on how to use it and how it's going to actually impact you in your decision-making as a leader. I wouldn't call AI a, a trend, but let's talk about trends for a bit. Let's transition mm-hmm. over and talk about... Um, your perception around trends. I mean, when I think of, uh, when I talk to retail leaders and, you know, I, I was interviewing a longtime president of a big Canadian retailer. And he said, if you would have told me I'd have this many loss prevention people 10 mm. years ago, I would, I would tell you you're crazy. Um, you know, that's one example, but there's a lot of other intersecting examples. When you think of from a, Hey, this is happening today in the store. What's, what do you call it? You've called out AI again. That's probably not a trend. It's a, it's a, you know, just like hand scanners. It's here to stay. But is, are there any things like, um, you know, violence in the stores is a real problem, right? How do you train yeah. around that and lead around, uh, those things? Nobody wants to feel uncomfortable in the place they work, but unfortunately it's a bit of a reality. Yeah? No, a hundred percent. And I think one thing that's never going to go out of style and I, um, I did this as a as a projection for 2024 as well. Was around psycho- psychological safety. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you think about it as a, it seems like a very soft topic, a soft perspective or, you know, something that just like, you know, you need to sit down on the couch and talk to somebody about. It's not. It is, it is truly about creating a culture where, you know, where your team feels safe, um, safe and secure, you know, to, and, and encouraged to kind of express their thoughts, um, their ideas, their concerns, their fears, everything without ridicule. And so when we start to think about, just to kind of talk about your, um, your uh, assets protection um, example, people want to feel safe. They want to not just, not just safe physically, but they want to feel safe mentally yeah, where I can yeah, actually yeah. be able to come into a, um, a, a store or come into a market and have a conversation with Michael and just say, hey, you know what, what, what are you guys, what are you guys doing differently? How, what are you doing to make me feel secure so that I can actually come in here and, and, and actually do my job um, professionally? Right. And so you're going to start to hear more conversations around the psychological safety within stores that um, from a, whether it's going to be from a conference standpoint, or it's going to be, um, you know, senior vice presidents talking to their team on down the line. And how do we actually broach this conversation? And I was just talking to someone the other day. I said, hey, you don't have to have a, you know, an, an agenda item that says psychological safety, right? right. <laughs> you know, it's not about this. <laughs> It's, it's not about a box just, to tick off and yeah, say, it's not a box to we've tick had that off. conversation. Feeling yeah. okay? Okay, good, good. Let's let's move on. Talk about yeah, let's move on. Yeah. Did we cover that one? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, we're good. good. good we're good. good. No, it, it has to be part of the culture. It has to yeah, be part yeah. of the ethos well, that's a great, of who you that's are. That's a great point. That's mm-hmm. a great point. That part of the culture. That's a, that's well spoken. Um, let's talk about leadership. And you know, Steve Dennis and I talk about, and he's mm. he talks about frequently a generation of leaders where. At the very, very senior levels, you were, you know, you you were, or you expected yourself, so to speak, to have all the answers. Now, in a, you know, in the new world, you've got a a, a leadership means maybe something different. That there's partnership. You you don't need to have all the answers, and and you need to lead a team in different ways. What do you what do you think about creating this culture? You mentioned culture. What's what's the key today to creating these cultures of success? You know, we. We meeting I, <laughs> I focus in on um, the concept that I've created that are that's for our upcoming book called the Approachable Retail Leader, and it's just mm-hmm. around approach, approachability. You know, approachability isn't a it's not a new term, but when you think about it in the context of retail, and I looked over my entire career and I looked over the career of other uh, successful leaders, their level of approachability was by far one of the mm-hmm. um, biggest assets that they have. And we, we define uh, approachability as the difference between being informed versus finding out. Um, when, you, when you approach and you think about approachability in that context, you're able to save time, you increase your retention, but more importantly, you increase your overall capacity as a leader. When you, when you <laughs> imagine the days of, I've, and I've had this happen um, mm-hmm. in, in my early in my career, I walk into a market and hey, Michael's leaving. Michael's uh, Michael just left. Uh, what do you mean, mm-hmm. Michael just left the company? How did how did that happen? Right. So that's me finding out that Michael left the company. And then as I grew in my career, um, I realized that if I am able to develop approachability, I can come into a market and I can actually have a conversation with Michael before Michael is even thinking about leaving. Or mm-hmm. Michael's just on the uh, right at the beginning of thinking about leaving, and if I'm or approachable, he, or he about, can have the conversation with yes, you, or exactly. he or she can have the conversation with you. He's like, you know, I, things are going so well. 
like, you know, that's a tough conversation to have, right? Because you're like, if I take that first step, then I'm at a disadvantage by already saying that, or I could be right. Like that's a interesting point. Yeah, correct, yeah. correct. But if but if you, if if there if you feel safe enough to be able to mm. come to somebody and actually have those conversations, I've saved I've saved I don't know how many people from you know um, moving you know m- moving out of the company. But I've also had the same the, the the reverse where people would come to me and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about leaving," and my conversation mm. with them will be like, "Well, okay, I think it's actually a really good decision that you do that." And and so it's the the ability for people to be able to do that. I was in a I was in a, um, um, a Hyundai dealer and I remember, um, there was a gentleman who was, who was, who was working with me and I just, I kind of remembered his face, but I didn't remember. And he came up to me, um, in the waiting room and he said, Hey, do you remember me? I said, I think I do a little bit. And he said, I used to work for you. Um, um, uh, I was an assets protection specialist and you came into the store. No one else was there, but you walked the store with me and we had a conversation about, um, my role and what it is that I wanted to do. And you said, Hey, do what you love. If this, if it's not retail, like don't, don't do it. So he left. Right. And I know this is probably not a really a, you know, great story for, for retail leaders in the context, but what I mean in the con- right now is that he's leading now an entire service department uh, for a Hyundai dealership. And he's doing exactly what he loves. So if I wasn't approachable enough, for him to be able to have that conversation with me, he would probably be still be stuck in something that he doesn't really want to do. And so I think part of this idea and concept around approachability is to help people really kind of um, embrace who they are and find out where their passions are, and then you help cultivate that so that they can move forward. Talk a little bit about your uh, your smile framework. Going a little yeah. bit deeper on that for us. Yeah, I love it. Um, you know the. The smile framework, um, you know, I believe every, every leader smiles differently. So the S is for self-awareness. The M is for mindful listening. I is for inspires trust. L is for uh, lead by example. And um, the E is for effective empathy. Um, hmm. Self-awareness is one of those topics, of course, that everyone wants to, to talk about as it relates to strengths and opportunities. I don't think about it in that context. I think about self-awareness as a leader, as it relates to your why and, and how you respond in certain situations. Because if you understand why you are in your leadership role, why you do the things that you do, why you make decisions the way that you make them, and why you have conversations to communicate the way you do them, then you're actually at, a, at, a, at a, an advantage for who you are. Now we assess how you respond in certain situations. When you think about response, Mike, Michael, what I see so much um, right now, especially in the retail, is that we have two different responses. We have the initial response, and then we also have the filter response. That filter mm-hmm. response is what, it, it's the one that kind of keeps the status quo. It's the one that we, mm-hmm. we, we respond mm-hmm. in a certain situation where we just want to keep the peace. But just mm-hmm. imagine mm-hmm. you've spent 10 years dealing with and 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 you know, um, articulating filtered responses. No one really knows who Michael is. Mm. No one really knows what Michael truly thinks. Neither does Michael, because Michael has spent 10 years providing filtered responses. And so the idea around approachability and utilizing it in that context is to help people understand and remove that, um, those labels and that veneer around a filter response so that they can respond 
respond in, in, a, in their authentic self. When you do that, guess what? More people see you for who you are, and then your approachability increases. Fantastic. Now, you've, uh, it sounds like you've taken the big first step. You're going to be writing, or maybe you're already writing a book, and, and uh, what's it called? The Approachable Retail Leader. Love that title. Talk a little bit about the book and when we can expect uh, to, to have it on the shelves. Yeah, man. It's, you know, the, it's been a book um, that has been sitting um, in my, um, my one note for probably the last six or seven years. And I can be very honest with you, uh, uh, Michael, man, I was so, I've been so scared. I was so scared yeah. to write this book. It's a heavy um, lift, man. Writing books is a heavy lift, right? Oh, my gosh. I can read books yeah. all day long. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. And then you take on this, this the arduous task of trying to write it. The, the idea yeah. around it is to, is to follow a, a leader through their, through their retail journey as they embrace the, the framework and the perspective of approachability at different levels within their, within their leadership journey. And then, as most stories with the arc, it goes through where they start to turn and they start to teach other people. They start to teach other leaders the approachability framework. But it is, it is a, a book that really gets into the, the nitty-gritty of, of, of retail leadership. One of the things that we focus in on, we have a newsletter called Worthy Retail, um, Worthy Retail News. The, the premise of that newsletter is very much um, um, throughout uh, the book where we, we talk about the unspoken challenges that retail leaders face whether it's from the interviewing process, whether it's from leading a team that doesn't look like you, whether it's from, mm. you know, hiring and staffing people, balancing diversity and equity, um, managing um, uh, interge intergenerational uh, relationships within, within the company and within your stores, within your market. So we, we deal with a lot of that. And the approachability framework is kind of laced throughout, throughout mm. that book mm. as we follow mm. this person through their leadership journey. Fascinating. Well, uh, we're going to see that in 2024 or 25. What do you think? It is going to be 2024. It is in 2024. Right. We're in the process of writing it right now and getting it yeah. Um, yeah. edited every chapter as I move as I move forward. And so um, the it's a it's a it's a slow burn. Um, yeah, but, yeah. you know, started the process. Fantastic. Well, we'll look forward to that. All right. You've been giving us a lot of advice kind of weaved into this conversation, but let's let's wrap it up with a uh, a two start and one stop advice for the listeners, the retail industry listeners out there. So two things they should start doing in 2024 and one thing they should stop doing. Maybe, you know, not, they're not doing it wrong. Maybe it's just changed or it's you, in your discussion with your clients, it's just not working. What are, what are your two starts, one stop advice? Yeah. Two, can, if I can start, I can, if I can start with the, um, the one thing that they, people need to stop doing yeah. is it is, it is really to, to stop thinking that, you are limited with where you currently are um, in your in your role. We have this perspective of um, imposter syndrome that a lot of leaders have. And when I say stop, I mean to stop the idea that you don't belong and that you don't have a seat, that you don't deserve to have a seat at that table. You deserve to have a seat at that table. We have to stop thinking that we don't deserve that seat at the table, and you do, especially in 2024, as you move to uh, through this new year. Two things, two things to 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 start doing. Um, community. It is in this retail leadership space. I have seen it far too often where leaders are 
um, feeling isolated, right? That statistics show it, whether it's on uh, Forbes or Harvard Business School, where 70% of leaders feel lonely. Um, and what we have to realize is that you can't do it by yourself. You need mm-hmm. community. You need to be able to connect with somebody to actually be able to, you know, kind of quote unquote, let your hair down. I know it's kind of funny coming from a ball person. You can't really see me, <laughs> but um, <laughs> to be able to, to, to be able to let your hair down, um, you know, as well. Um, and then number two, the number two to, uh, to, to really start is to investing in, is to invest in, invest in yourself. Right. Number two is going to be investing in yourself. What I have seen is that a lot of leaders um, are waiting for their companies to invest in them. They will invest in you at a certain level. But if you really want to move to where it is that you want to be, first of all, you have to define that. And then you can, mm-hmm. you can, you can take on the, the, the requisite resources to help you move forward. But investing in yourself, as someone who has done it and continues to do it, I have a coach. I've had a coach for like the last 17 years. I can't stand the guy. But mm. <laughs> I, I, because he, he, he calls me on my stuff and he tells me exactly what it is that I may, I may be doing wrong. But he also just provides some perspective on some, on some stale problems, problems that I've been dealing with continuously. And he just provides a, pr- a fresh perspective on that. And so making sure that you are investing in yourself in 2024 is definitely something that you want to start doing. All right. Fantastic advice. Now, you mentioned you do a live stream. How do folks get in touch with you? A LinkedIn person and drop some links and websites and how folks can go and where they can go to learn more. Absolutely. Um, you can get everything at um, on LinkedIn at, at, at Steve Worthy. Um, that mm-hmm. is the, the first place to go to connect with me. From there, you you get access to whether it's the community, um, our live stream, our, our podcast, um, you know, that we do. Um, you know, as well as our coaching and our training as well. So LinkedIn is going to be the best place to connect with me over at Steve Worthy. Well, fantastic. I'll put that link in the show notes. Listen, Steve, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to join me on the mic. It's great conversation. And uh, listen, I wish you uh, much success uh, in everything you're doing and, and uh, much continued success and get that book out and and uh, your trips to uh, Toronto. So we got to get together in person and next time you're up in toronto but for now thanks uh, again so much for joining me on the mic it was a real treat and i uh, wish you a great rest of your day thank you so much thanks so much for having me i appreciate it thanks for tuning into this episode of the voice of retail if you haven't already follow on your favorite podcast platform so new episodes will land automatically each week and be sure and check out my other retail industry media properties the remarkable retail podcast with steve dennis and the global e-commerce leaders podcast i'm your host michael Baugh, senior retail advisor keynote speaker Rethink Retail 2023 Global Top Retail Influencer. If you want more content or chat, follow me on LinkedIn. Safe travels, everyone.